Fridays post time. <laughs> Welcome to the ESPN 1000 Miller Lite post game show with your hosts, fantasy expert and host Jeff Miller, and two time Super Bowl champion Chicago native Howard Griffith. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite Post Game Show, presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of the Chicago Bears, and brought to you by the Home Loan Expert and Harry's Razors. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. It was a valiant defensive effort by the Bears at Soldier Field tonight, but the offense can't stop shooting itself in the foot. The Bears fall to the Saints 26-23 in overtime on a Will Lutz 35-yard field goal to end the game. I'm Jeff Meller alongside Howard Griffith. We are your Miller Lite Bears postgame show here on ESPN 1000, taking your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Instant reaction, your chance to weigh in on what you thought. Howard, your feelings on what we saw unfold tonight. Close, but no cigar. Defense uh, was able to come up with some stops at critical times, but offensively, as you just mentioned, weren't able to capitalize. Yeah, I mean, I like, in over, like, look, they had an opportunity there. They get it to overtime. The Saints kind of allow the Bears back into it, and yet still we had, a, we had a huge defensive series there by Roquan to start overtime. He was excellent on all four downs there, forcing the Saints to punt. And then Ellen Robinson, wow, what, what a huge catch on third and 15. And then all I can think about is, boy, Anthony Miller, after a couple nice plays throughout the game, <laughs> has a huge drop. And, I mean, look, it's yeah. first down, but that's a critical tone-setting down to get yourself moving in the right direction, possibly get your get the field flipped, put yeah. yourself in an advantageous second down situation. And Anthony Miller, that's just an, you cannot drop that ball. Yeah. And it just go ahead, Howard. Because no, like, no, I'm at a loss. I know. Yeah, I, I know. And that's what's tough, right? You can't have excuses if you want to be good. You can't. You have to be able to execute. You you don't you don't have these many, that many opportunities. And when you don't take advantage of it, I mean you your fan base and, and you as a team, because I know they're going to be sick about it, are, are just sick because you don't take advantage of it. They, they've got to find a way to, to, to have some other guys that they can count on, like Allen Robinson, when, when it's crunch time. I, one of the last throws, but I think it was before the overtime, he wasn't even looking. He makes a great adjustment. Maybe was. Uh, makes a great adjustment to the ball, and, and that's what we can consistently see out of him. He just knows how to play the game and has a great feel for it. Yeah, I mean, we see the limitations there of what Nick Foles, you know, can and cannot do. Clearly, he is a statue in the pocket. There's a play, you know, in overtime where, you know, if you have any type of mobility, you can at least create some positive yardage. Nick Foles, though, knows he, he has no chance of picking up a first down. So he's, you know... He's scrambling behind the line of scrimmage just to keep the play alive, but he cannot do anything with it. So that's the limitation of this offense. And the problem is with the lack of playmakers right now, the Bears really need it. We're seeing it's the juxtaposition, the difference between Trubisky and Foles. Obviously, Nick brings a different dynamic to the offense that because he knows what they want to do, you know, with each and every play. But the reality is that, you know, when he gets, you know, he gets off schedule there and he starts moving around back in the pocket, there's, it, it's, it's not going to end well more times than not. 
and, and you make a great point. You, you talk about you know exactly what you're getting from both quarterbacks. The challenge is with Nick, right, is that he can't make anything happen. So if things aren't blocked up perfectly, if things, if receivers aren't getting open and in the right spot, it doesn't work. Whereas on the flip side, Mitch may only get passes first, first read, mm. and then he's going to take off. But that would have helped them, particularly in tonight's game, that you have that type of ability and mobility out of your quarterback position. It is uh, just a, a tough one to see uh, because the Bears, look, they jump out to an early lead. And, you know, for the first half, I, you know, they played well defensively. They played, I mean, I guess uh, serviceable offensively. They had themselves in a position where they were up 13-3. to three, And then the Saints come down and, you know, the defense led up there. It was, uh, you know, a situation where on third and 13 in, at the end of the first half there, they give up a big 12-yard gain, which uh, compels Sean Payton to then – go for it with Elvin Kamara, who then rips off a nice run. And we haven't even, you know, and they're able to go down and score uh, a, t- a touchdown pass to Taysom Hill. Uh, I'm sorry, that was actually the Jared, Jared Cook touchdown at the end of the half. Right. But, you know, there's so many things to unpack right now with this game. We're going to do it throughout the entirety of the show for the next two hours. Again, we're your Bears postgame show. He's Howard Griffith. I'm Jeff Miller. We're taking your phone calls. We let you guys sound off instantly right after the game. This is your form, 312-332-3776. How did you feel about the game as it unfolded? Because I was surprised after the uh, tough loss to the Rams, I was surprised they gave up such a strong fight in that first half, Howard. Listen, this is a team that's going to compete, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think there's ever been a question of the effort uh, of the players on this team. They're going to go out and try to do their best. Uh, I think what we're always going to question, and because he gives us great reasons to, a lot of reasons to, is, you know, the decisions that, that Coach Nagy makes at times and the decisions that Ryan Pace makes at times. So, you know, those things are, are always going to be on the table. But these guys play. I mean, that, and, and I'm always going to be partial to the player mm-hmm. side because I, I find it, it's really a little uns- insulting when people say, oh, well, they quit. They say, how do you know they quit? You know, so I- I'm always, when it comes to guys playing hard, you can see if guys are playing hard. Um, and-, and this team, that's what they do. They- they're going to go out and give you everything they got each and every week. Sometimes they're just not able to execute the way they need to. Yeah, and it really is too bad because you look at Anthony Miller has eight catches for 73 yards. Darnell Mooney makes a huge play downfield in the first half, a 50-yard yeah. bomb. The Bears' longest play from scrimmage this season. Huge, uh, you know, it looks like they finally get something going. They follow the Mooney long shot up with Allen Robinson's touchdown. Nice dime by Nick. Great catch by Allen Robinson. And yet still, Anthony Miller, like I said, this game, I'm, I'm thinking about it, and, and maybe I'm making too much of it, but, man, that's a, that's a situation where your defense comes up huge in a hard-fought game in overtime. You get it to that position. And Anthony Miller, man, what are you doing with that drop? And yet still, that is not even close right. to the worst play made by a Bears wide receiver in this game. We're going to get to that <laughs> later on, let me tell you, Howard. We need to. Yes. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let the fo- let's let the uh, listeners weigh in. Though I know uh, they want to get some stuff off their chest. Let's kick things off in Lansing with Castillo. Castillo, you're on the Miller Lite Bears post game show here on ESPN 1000 with Howard Griffith. What's up? Hey, thank you for taking my call. Yes, uh, I just have one opinion uh, on my head. Um, not, I don't want to criticize the defense because the defense has been keeping us all in the game. Um, I just want to know what you guys think. Why do the corners play off of the receivers eight yards deep, giving them soft coverage almost on every play, letting them catch these uh, 
inside hooks on almost every down that Drew Brees was throwing today. Um, when uh, Vic Vangio was in the was, was our defensive coordinator, he um, uh, with Kyle Fuller, Fuller, he would tell him to play to play up and press him to press all uh, the receivers. Yeah. I don't see that with uh, with our defensive coordinator right now. So I just wanted your opinion on that. Hey, Castillo, thanks for the call. You, you know, one of the things when, when you start going through defensive coordinators and you start looking at the different techniques that you, you're asking your corners to play, a lot of it also has to do with the guy that's under center and, and a guy like Drew Brees. So sometimes you don't want to press all the time, particularly if you believe, you know, the guys you're trying to press have great moves off the line of scrimmage and you don't mm-hmm. want to get behind them. You know, for, for the Bears team, they know exactly – where Drew Brees is going to be in the pocket, whether it's a four, five, seven-step drop. So if you're playing off, you can also read the quarterback's drop, and you can also keep your eye on the receiver. I'm not saying that it's perfect and you're able to work it every time, but you have to be able to mix up your techniques and you have to be able to be adept at all of those techniques to, to be able to have some success. I know that doesn't address the issue tonight, but that's sort of why – you, you will see corners play off when they're playing against a, a quarterback that doesn't necessarily have the mobility of a Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and let's be honest. I mean, I, I think anytime you're up against a Sean Payton offensive scheme, if you can hold the team to 26 points, you know, up until overtime, you've probably done a pretty solid job. Um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, really hard to fault the Bears defense. Um, you know, when you look at what they came out with today, there, there really wasn't a whole um, – you know, listen, the, the Saints, Sean Payton, what they do, they're going to score some points from time to time. The Bears didn't actually create any turnovers defensively. So when you consider that, consider that, I mean, 26 points, you know, the, this is, again, it's going to be, I think, a um, repeating issue that we're going to be talking about all season long, Howard, is that the offensive limitations are going to make things difficult on this great Bears defense. Yeah, and, and it's unfortunate, right, because you normally want to mirror your offense and defense, right? So you don't have that situation where you're, you're, you're essentially wasting the efforts and the talents mm-hmm. of, of that defense that, that you have. And, you know, let's face it, we've become accustomed to that here in Chicago, having some really top-rated defenses but not having the offense to go along with it to give those guys some help that they need sometimes. And sometimes they're going to give up some plays. But we got to get, from an offensive standpoint, be able to get more consistency and, and know you got guys out there that can make a play at crunch time. And, and that's what it comes down to. No, no doubt about it. And definitely they're missing what, you know, you, you don't even have like what you could consider a complimentary offense because they do struggle so much on the offensive line, really getting, you know, things going. If you could just have a serviceable running game, you could try and, you know, uh, grind down the clock and make things a little bit more, uh, a, a little bit easier for your defense play to their strength, keep them off the field when possible. But the lack of, uh, you know, any type of real push from the offensive line also hinders that as well. Let's try John, who's in Evanston. John, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, thanks, guys. Two things, okay, two things. First of all, I think on third down, to have Mitch come in third and five in a wildcat situation, he can run for that first down. He can get out of the pocket. Number two, this is the thing that bothers me. Nick will not throw the ball away. If it doesn't open, if you're outside that pocket, Throw it in the cheap seat. Don't give up the yardage. That's stupid. <laughs> John, I, I feel your pain. That last one, yes. he was scrambling around. You felt like he could just, you know, throw it away. But he's mm. so dialed in to trying to hold it to that last minute 
to try to find uh, that open receiver or somebody's going to uncover that it ended up costing him down the stretch. There were a couple of times where he just held on to the ball too long trying to make oh. a play down the field. Yeah, no, like John brings up an excellent point. Thanks for the call, John. We do appreciate it. Uh, you know, thinking about uh, towards the end of the fourth quarter, as the Bears were trailing 23-20, to 20, it was, I'm looking at my notes here, it was second and nine, and Nick Foles takes an absolutely brutal sack. Like, yeah. you know, a situation where, look, you need to know that they did not have any timeouts remaining. And so he put them in a position where he needed to come up with a huge throw just to give them an opportunity to kick a realistic field goal. Now that now on the next play, he does come up with a huge throw and an excellent catch by Anthony Miller. But it, it, it got to the point where Anthony Miller had to get out of bounds on that catch, which comes up, comes up short of the sticks. And even if he doesn't, they're in, that, they're in the old fire drill where the Cairo Santos has to rush out into the field just to attempt a game-tying field goal. It was a brutal sack, and it happened all day long. All day long. And we've seen, we've seen that now on numerous occasions from Nick Foles. It is unfortunate that a guy who has no mobility also has this propensity to take some big sacks at bad times. It looked maybe firsthand. We're getting a look at it firsthand. This is why Nick Foles has never really been a starting quarterback in any one place for any long period of time. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's fair. I mean, you, your shortcomings, you know, are exposed. And, yeah, you know, unfortunately for for Bears fans and, and the Chicago Bears, it, it it did you think we get to a point where it's like Mitch wouldn't have that? Mitch could have got us out of that. I mean, just go back maybe three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. It is so fair, Howard, that. It is, you know, we're now, we just, the Bears have concluded week eight of the NFL season. They're now five and three. And you're looking at this saying to yourself, man, at, they were three and oh, and they made the move to Nick Foles. And now just five games later, it is a fair question where you've got on the national broadcast, Troy Aikman openly wondering, you know, should they go back to, to Mitch Trubisky? We've all seen the Mitch, you know, play now at this point. We're in the fourth year. And I don't think anybody really wants to go back to that. But at the same time, you know, you're seeing the exact opposite of a statue back there. And it, it's just it's just painful right now, as, as I'm sure many Bears fans are thinking to themselves, I don't want to go back to Mitch Trubisky. But at the same time, Nick Foles, I, I don't know how much better this offense really there. It's just a whole new set of problems that we're dealing yeah. with. You know, John brought up a great point. It was his first point. He had two mm-hmm. things. So it was the first thing he had to say. I would not be surprised, right, if they start to figure out some packages mm-hmm. to take advantage of his skill set. And I and listen, I was the first one to say, "Oh, when they go away from Mitch, they ain't going back. There's no way, no way you can go back to him." Mm-hmm. And in many ways, I feel like I still feel that way. But to me, if you're gonna try to maximize the players that are on this roster. You've got to get something out of Mitch. I don't care whether you, you – know, he, he needs to have some sort of a package so it at least gives you an opportunity to – it's just like when you want to take go with Patterson in, in short yardage situations. Well, I think you need to figure out a, uh, some sort of a package for Mitch that will get him back involved in the offense and that will give you a, an advantage because that's what they need right now. They need to figure out where they can get an advantage from because they don't know where it is right now. No doubt about it. He's two-time Super Bowl champ Howard Griffith. I'm Jeff Meller. We're talking about a Bears loss to the New Orleans Saints in overtime, 26-23. to Bears fall to 5-3. and three. 
Up next, the worst decision made by a Bears wide receiver today. We'll talk about it on ESPN 1000. Don't move. More of the ESPN 1000 postgame show is coming up on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. The ESPN 1000 Miller Live postgame show with your hosts, Howard Griffith and Jeff Mallard. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. He's good for five. Wow. Let's check in. Oh, now we got a fight. They, they are going at it. I thought they were joking, but that's Wims, Javon Wims, and Janoris Jenkins. With C.J. Gardner-Johnson involved as well, and that was uh, that was real. Yeah, and I think they're going to get Wims. I mean, I, I think when the flag came out, they caught Wims. He's bouncing around as though he's going to that that the flag's going to be on the Saints. I'm not so sure. This happened well after the play. I mean, it's over. The play's over. That, I think, undisputably is the dumbest move made by a Bears wide receiver this evening and a Bears player altogether. Javon Wims taking a swing, not not just a swing, multiple swings at uh, Saints defensive back and subsequently getting tossed for his actions. Uh, Howard, what's dumber? Taking a uh, swinging multiple punches at your opponent during the game or the fact that you're actually trying to punch a man with a helmet on? What is uh, the dumber? A, yeah, yeah, punching a man with a helmet on is, is not the brightest thing. I understand you can get caught up in your your emotions of the game. But come on, man. You, it, you That's just selfish. It really, at the end of the day, is just a selfish move by a player. And, and you can't tolerate that kind of stuff. I know you can get upset, as I mentioned, but you, you're hurting the team. You're just hurting the team, and it just shows how undisciplined you are. No, and, and I, I think it's fair to – like, look, it might be an extreme move, but I think it's fair to ask, will the Bears, if they're as fed up as they could be, like this could be a situation where – to set the tone, you you could say, you know what, here are your walking papers, Javon Wims. You have not lived up to expectations as far as where we drafted you. You really, you know, you're, you know, you really, he's not much more than a fourth or fifth wide receiver on this roster. And that is a brutal move that almost, look, I mean, I'll be interested to hear how Matt Nagy breaks it down in the postgame here, but that was clearly a premeditated move by him because as we saw, it looks like, um, it, you know, the previous uh, series, um, Anthony Miller was poked in the eye uh, by C.J. Gardner Jr. And, you know, I, I don't know if Miller talked to Wims, you know, on the bench in the next series. You, you get what unfolds there. But it was, I mean, it was, he, he goes in to rip his helmet off and then punches him in the helmet, not once, but twice. Twice, you know? yeah. That's I mean, what makes it bad. I don't under, and it was, you know, you know, it was immediately after the play away from the action on the field. I think it was a David Montgomery carry that actually, you know, which results in this. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. Like, I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know how it gets to the point where you think this is, you know, in any way acceptable because you're costing your team penalty yardage and you've DQ'd yourself from the game. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing that's frustrating, right? What what are you thinking? Clearly, you're not at that particular moment 
uh, when you go out and do something like that. But you, you have to be able to hold your composure. And, and listen, think, they're going to be some dirty plays that happen all the time in a game. But, you know, you can't retaliate. Not not like that. No. You're and, and, look, and, 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 you know, you can almost – look, it's not – it's never acceptable – but you can in some ways explain in the heat of the moment if a player does something to you and, you know, you, you just, you know, it triggers you and then you react. This is Javon Wims plays later deciding he's going to go up for revenge and sneak up on Gardner Jr., which is just asinine in this situation in a hard-fought game where you've still got a clear opportunity to win in the third quarter. It made no sense. I, at the very least, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Javon Wims deactivated for the next game. Just yeah, to send, send a message. Exactly. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And, and I can tell you, you ask, you can ask Yurko this during the week. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely a way to get even where you don't jeopardize, uh, you know, the team and the situation. There are, there are many ways you can get even. Uh, but clearly he wasn't smart enough to figure that part of the game out yet. Uh, that is Howard Griffith. I'm Jeff Meller. We are your Bears postgame show every time after a game for two hours, taking your phone calls. Let's head on out to Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, and say good evening to Ray. Ray, you're on ESPN 1000. What's going on, my man? Hey, Ray. Hello? What's up, Ray? You're on ESPN 1000. Yeah. Hey, you know what, guys, man? You guys you guys are hitting it on the, uh, all on the on point there. But let me tell you something. I think that the fact that Javon Williams did that, it has something to say with, with not just what the what the the back of the office is like. It goes all the way up to the top. Mm. There is no fighting spirit on management, on ownership. They don't want to win. They have no respect for our coach. I remember one or two games behind uh, uh, a goal when they're they're running uh, a play, a running play on fourth uh, fourth and one or fourth and two on their twenty or twenty five yard line. They're not afraid of us. They're sending a message. The Bears are who they thought they were, and we ain't responding to them. We have no offensive line. We have no draft picks. The GM doesn't know what the heck he's doing. Ted Phillips doesn't know what the heck he's doing. We need to sell this team. We need to start over. We need groundbreaking new stuff. Ray, sell the team. Oh, my goodness, Ray. I'm sick and tired. You know, we travel with the Bears. We go to New York. We go back and forth. Everywhere they are. And you know what? They don't give us nothing for our money. I'm done with them. I'm done with that. They better give me something to buy. It's like a Slim Jim. They better snap it to it. <laughs> I love it. Ray love is it. clearly frustrated, Howard. He, uh, he, he wants the McCaskies to sell the team. He's done with Ted Phillips. He's done with Ryan Pace. I mean, uh, the offensive line is, is, is a source of frustration for him, and Javon Wims did not help things yeah. tonight. He did not help things. But, but you know, you, I can kind of get the feeling, though, right? Yeah. Um, when you talk about you – know, and Ray was telling us, he, he travels with the team. And, and that's – I've never been a fan like that where, you know, I just would follow a team around, but I've always had a great deal of respect for fans that, that have that type of passion and that want to spend their money to follow the team that they love. And, and, and it's frustrating and it's hard. And, and I hear him saying, hey, they got to start giving us something. And what is, it's not, he's not asking for money. He's asking for victories. He's asking to win these games when you have a chance and not to let them slip away. No doubt about it. I mean, most fans feel that way. Give yeah. uh, 
give me something to root for for all the loyalty that I've given you. And obviously, I think the uh, team would like to do that. But right now, they're in a situation where at uh, five and three, um, they had an opportunity today to uh, take advantage of a Green Bay loss to a Vikings team that has been woeful this year. Delvin Cook goes off, scores four touchdowns today, and uh, put the Packers uh, on their back heels at Lambeau Field. And yet the Bears, you know, even though, again, it was a, a, a valiant effort, I thought, especially on the heels of a very disgusting Monday night loss to the Rams, nevertheless, despite the fact that uh, I thought the defense came to play today, the offense couldn't help but get out of their own way. And that's really unfortunate when you consider what, uh, what the Packers did at, at home today. Yeah, not taking advantage of opportunities. It all comes right back to that. I mean, this is, it's a very simple game. It really is at its core a very simple game, and if if you don't go out and execute, or you don't have guys that you can count on, or you have selfish players uh, that want to go out and do selfish things, um, you can't win. And, and so it, it becomes frustrating. So where do you look for the change? Where do you where do you look for the accountability? I'll be very interested in what Nagy has to say because he's always kind of protected the players and kind mm-hmm. of well, I need to wait and I need to go back and see. But that personal foul should be addressed to the media. It, it should be addressed to the fan base. He should immediately be talking, hey, this is not acceptable. This is not how we play the game. These games are too tight for us to be able to go out and do something like that, particularly when you're somebody that we don't even count on anyway. Oh, that's a great point. You want, yeah, like, it wouldn't be, I don't think it would be bad at all for Matt Nagy to apply some pressure on whims in the media for that for that again it's just a dumb outburst that really cost the team and it's the ultimate team game you're playing here and when you do something like that a completely selfish act that puts you in a bind you know it's just it's uncalled for and again like you said it's a guy who really has yet to really make a name for himself so you cannot be going out and and having personal fouls and getting yourself disqualified from the game as well Howard Griffith, Jeff Meller talking about a Bears loss to the Saints in overtime, 26-23. to They were up 13-3 to as the first half uh, closed, and yet they couldn't really do much to uh, prevent the Saints from coming down and making it 13-10 to at half. And then we see the third quarter quickly go awry. We're talking about a tough Bears loss in overtime with you, the fans, here on ESPN 1000. The ESPN 1000 postgame show returns after these. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite postgame show is back. Talk Bears with us on ESPN 1000. And the new ESPN Chicago app. And now with eight seconds and a timeout remaining in second and ten. Zone Cook has got it this time. Touchdown, New Orleans, with three seconds left in the half. Sean Payton ran the old uh, Madden flip on the Bears there. Jared Cook on the previous play had uh, was wide open, and Drew Brees just missed him, uh, threw behind him, resulted in Jared Cook stumbling over his feet trying to make the catch. And so with uh, three seconds left, Sean Payton decided to run the exact same route on the other side of the formation, and Jared Cook was able to uh, catch the ball that was a much more catchable ball thrown by Drew Brees on that play, and that really uh, gave the Saints some life after the Bears' defense had really held them in check 
for the entirety of the first half. Uh, were you okay with uh, Matt Nagy calling timeout on third and 13 on that drive, Howard, to try and, uh, try and get the Bears an extra possession? There was 57 yeah. seconds on the clock. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have a problem with it because you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, you know, you, you're trying to get that extra possession. You're trying to get, get the ball back in your offensive hands. And, and it's one of those things you just got to – sometimes you have to roll the dice and see. And, you know, unfortunately we've seen them roll the dice quite a bit. But, you know, I, I don't have that big a problem with this one. No, I, I actually – I asked the question, but I'm perfectly fine with it. I like that aggressive yeah. nature. And if anything, that's exactly what you're trying to do when you're – when you know you're uh, receiving the ball – to start the second half, that's you know, you like you said, you gain that extra possession. It's a perfect opportunity if you can maybe create yourself. Uh, you get the ball, and if you're fortunate enough, you can create a field goal for your, you know, get that extra possession. That's exactly what you're looking for in that situation. So I'm totally cool with it. It's just unfortunate that the defense wasn't able to hold them in check, and uh, they actually. It was a fourth and one then at that point because they pick up 12 yards on a completion to Alvin Kamara, and then they run a nice uh, a nice pitch to Kamara. That that uh, on fourth and one that picks up seven yards and then we see them go down and score. So unfortunately for the Bears defense, even though it was a valiant effort, they they don't they're not able to come away with a win tonight here uh, as they lose to the Saints twenty six to twenty three in overtime three one two three three two three seven seven six. I'm Jeff Meller alongside Howard Griffith taking your phone calls after a Bears loss. Let's go to Mitchell in Desplaines. Mitchell, are you ready to have Mitch Trubisky back under center just yet? <laughs> Uh, yes, let me address and focus the good, the bad, the happy, and the sad. For those people that want to reinstall Trubisky in retrograde, he garnished two yards. In contrast, folks, Taysom Hill got first downs and touchdowns. So your ineptitude of basically having Trubisky be back in the fold is highly questionable in your judgment. Number two. Bears is unbelievably the best person on this uh, as a quarterback. He throws downfield, and he's handicapped by an attitude of a coach and a GM. And you have an offensive line that gives him no time. So I don't want to hear you cry in your soup about how bad Foles is. I've been saying this consistently for two weeks, Mr. Howard and Mr. Miller, because you know what? Consistency is very accurate, like gravity. And you know what really pisses me off is the Mm -hmm. fact that folks have absolutely zero tolerance for the ineptitude of the coach and the GM. The defense has holes. Okay? The defense has holes. By the way, you are so lucky that Nick Foles was able to make this a competitive game. You are so lucky that he can throw down because in the last six weeks, we no, I'm sorry, in the last four years, stupid Matt Dappin by uh, Trubisky, who couldn't figure out a combination in fifth grade, can't throw downfield, but yet Nick Foles can. And you guess what? Your little, your little running game experiment expired. You had one great thing, and Nagy ignored it. Let me hear wonderful thoughts. Mitchell, thank you for the uh, phone call. And listen, I'm not necessarily saying that uh, Trubisky should be back under center. I just knew that you would have passion for the subject. Troy Aikman, though, was openly questioning it on the broadcast, Howard. He was. And, and I, think, I don't think anybody is saying that Mitch should be the starting quarterback again. I don't think that's what we're saying. Matter of fact, what, what I said and what I think we both talked about was the fact that having some sort of package, you need to get something out of it. Right, he's on the roster. Get something mm-hmm. out of him. You know, he's a healthy body. Get something out of him because you're not maximizing everything that's on the, on this roster right now, and that's just the reality. If you can figure out a way to create some uh, a couple of plays for him where he can, you know, throw throw the defense off, or you can gain an edge, and that can help you keep a drive together. 
That's what you need. Yeah. Well, we watch Jason Hill do it all day long, don't we? No. I mean, yeah. I mean, and he, listen, I'm not saying Mitch is that type of athlete. Yeah. I'm not even saying I'm not saying he's that type, but I'm saying creative play callers, which I, I'm, I'm going to say Matt Nagy is. He is. He's a creative mm-hmm. guy, no doubt about it. That's what they come up with. And, and I think it would be foolish if, if they don't start to look at that. When you look at a film, you say, wow, I wonder what we could have done differently here. But you can't because he's like, hey, I get, he can't pull it down. He's got to hold on to it and try to throw it down the field. And, you know, it's one of those things that they got to figure out. Yeah, I know. And you know what? Look, they are they're five and three. So they're clearly in this playoff race. And with an offense that is limited, you know, I, I sometimes lose my mind. Or I have for years about the fact that Sean Payton, you know, will take the, oh, I don't know if you saw or not, Howard, but uh, breaking news, Drew Brees broke the all-time uh, passing touchdown record in the NFL today. Um, he broke Tom Brady's record, so Tom mm-hmm. Brady, I'm sure, will have a chance to go ahead and do that tomorrow night on Monday Night Football. I thought that was kind of funny by Fox to let us know with their breaking news graphic. But um, I always found it humorous that the you know Sean Payton's obsession with Taysom Hill to get him out there and actually you know give your – you know, no doubt first ballot Hall of Famer, Super Bowl uh, winning quarterback, uh, you would take him off the field at any point. And yet he, you know, Sean Payton has been very successful with his, you know, at least I guess we could argue about it. But nevertheless, it gives the defense something that they need to be aware of. It takes time out of their, you know, every team's defense when they're preparing for the Saints each week, they know they have to go out of their way and spend you know, precious, uh, pre- precious uh, meeting time preparing for the Taysom Hill package and what's out there. So if, it, if, if nothing else, it creates that extra headache for defensive coordinators. And I think because of the Bears' offensive struggles, it's not that outrageous to wonder, should Matt Nagy really start to develop some type of tr- package for Trubisky to keep opposing defenses honest? Well, listen, I mean, that, that's the theory behind Patterson being lined up at the tailback position. That, that's the theory. Yeah. What you just explained is the theory of why he lines up there sometimes. Because you should be able to gain an advantage sometimes. You can then shift him out to the wide receiver spot and he can run a route from there and maybe you catch him in, you know, in a bad defense doing it that way. But you, you got to be able to utilize everybody you got. Let's uh, try Jeremy, who's in McHenry. Jeremy, you're on the Bears postgame show, the Miller Lite Bears postgame show here on ESPN 1000. What's up? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. So I just want to get to the, uh, you know, again, the mannerisms of going back to Cutler days. But, you know, we're supposed to instill this culture change with the Chicago Bears and that since Nagy came in. But we have Akeem Hicks, who had, what, three or four personal fouls last week. And then we have this idiotic play by Wims this week. Like, what kind of culture change is he trying to instill? You know, this goes back to, like, and I hate to say it, like, Tressman era. You know, where we see idiotic plays by, you know, undisciplined, undisciplined players where are we going with this team? Like, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. And I think, you know, when it's all said and done, once we get to the Packers in a few weeks, we're going to end up being five and six because of plays like we saw this week. And, you know, it goes back to even when we signed Nagy and he lost the, the, 
offensive uh, calling playing from Andy Reid. So, you know, maybe that told us something. And I think he needs to take a step back and maybe try to figure out defensive plays when he's publicly said that he has no idea, you know, about the defense calling and he leaves it to the defensive coordinator, whether it be Pagano or who we had previously in that, Mm -hmm. you know, so take a step back, give the offensive play calling to somebody else, because then maybe you can start figuring out defensive schemes and understand how offense goes. You know, it's just a joke. Like at this point, we're not going to be playoff contenders. I'm sorry. You know, you just brought that up. It's not going to happen. You know, I just like us to try and get a win out of Tennessee and maybe build off of that. But I honestly see us going five and five when we go into Green Bay. And Green Bay is going to give us, you know, an eye-opening, you know, gut check. And we're they're going to destroy us. You know, uh, so five and six going into that week, like it, it's going to be, you know, an uh, show if you ask me. Sorry, thanks. <laughs> Jeremy's disappointed, Howard, <laughs> to, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, you hear it in his voice; it's terrible. <laughs> Listen, it's you know, it's a half. You know, are you a uh, glass has uh, a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of person here? Certainly the Bears are 5-3, and three, and uh, after their 5-1 and one start, that's clearly disappointing. But, you know, against the Saints team that a lot of people, even though they've had, a little, have had their struggles, I think most people still think the Saints are amongst the NFC contenders around the league. So to play them tight and close and have an opportunity to beat them in overtime, you know, says something when you have really nothing going offensively. At the same time, I will say, look, you've got the, you're uh, in Tennessee uh, taking on the Titans next week. You then follow that up. You've got a home game on Monday Night Football against the Vikings. And even though the Vikings played excellent, it's a divisional matchup, the Bears should be favored in that game. I mean, like, you know what I mean? So there will be an opportunity there. Don't just go ahead and say they're, they're going to be working on their fourth straight loss. And then they have a bye before they go to Lambeau to take on the Packers on Sunday Night Football. So yep. they're going to have the opportunity to prep for the Packers with a, coming off of a bye week, which in itself is a huge advantage. So, like, even though it feels like the, you know, the season is falling apart right before our eyes, the Bears are still a 5-3 and three and in good position. They just, just need to find some answers offensively. Yeah, and, and that's the issue. We don't know if they can find those a- answers because – you know, offensively, when you look at the offensive line, it, it's a problem, man, and, and it's going to continue to be one. And until they can find out a way to figure out a way to secure that, it, it, it's just going to continue to to slow the progress and really the development of this offense. And you couple that by when you do get time and you throw it and the receiver doesn't make the play, it, it just – it just makes everything even tougher. So it all comes down to being able to take advantage of the opportunities that are out there. There is one player on the offense who I know is uh, something the Bears can count on, and he was responsible for the Harry's Razor close call of the game. We'll share that with you next. Howard Griffith and Jeff Meller. More postgame coming up. This is the ESPN 1000 postgame show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. 
This is Chicago's home for sports. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite postgame show is back. It's back. With your hosts, ESPN 1000 fantasy expert and host Jeff Mellon, two-time Super Bowl champion, Chicago native, Howard Griffith. Now, back to more on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Call by Joe Buck on Fox was short, but let me tell you, Allen Robinson stretched out and made a hell of a play, and it was close. It was close to being out of bounds, but it was never in doubt because Allen Robinson is a true stud, and that is why that is going to be our Harry's Razors close call of the game. Harry's Razors created to be a little bit different. Honestly priced and made with integrity. Go see for yourself at harrys.com. And I might add to Howard, I also, not not only do I have a Harry's razor, but I also enjoy their post-shave balm. So oh. right, after, right after you're done shaving, you can uh, go ahead and smell nice and feel smooth. The uh, wifey always likes it when I throw that out <laughs> right, after, right after I shave. So uh, Harry's razors, uh, great people. Uh, check it out for yourself uh, at harrys.com. Um, what a what a catch though by Allen Robinson. We shouldn't be surprised, but week in and week out, he makes phenomenal catches. He's really the only thing that it, that you can consistently count on in this offense. Yeah, Jeff. Obviously, I, I've been following him for a while since his days at Penn State, and you know he's always he's always been that type of player, a difference maker uh, at the college level, and obviously now at the, at the professional level. And you know, it, it still boggles my mind why they've not figured out how to make a deal. I mean, mm. I get it. Sometimes you want to wait and different things like that. But at some point, if you continue to have some of these these games go the way they go, people start saying, eh, well, maybe, maybe I don't want to be here. Mm. Maybe it is time for greener pastures. And I, and I know, they, you know they have the ability to tag and do some different things like that. But it, it's no reason that, that your, your best offensive player shouldn't already be under contract or even discussing a contract when he, what he does for you each and every week. And Oh, by the way, probably shouldn't have been playing today, mm-hmm. but he was cleared and went out there and still plays at a high level. No, I'm absolutely with you. He cleared concussion protocol um, yesterday. And so that was huge because I can't even imagine if this, how this offense would function without him out there. He really is the only guy who you can consistently count on to make big plays and week in and week out, um, you know, you know that defenses are trying to take him away, and yet still he finds him, he gets wide open on numerous plays, and he makes great contested catches. I'm completely with you. Sure, the Bears, it's in their it's in their court. They always have the ability to put the franchise tag on him. But I mean, you know as well as anybody out there, like the last thing you want with one of your best players is to make it an adversarial uh, situation, and that's exactly what the franchise tag does. And because the Bears have cap room, he's only 27. Look. Even if you have to restart with the whole quarterback down the road, Allen Robinson's the kind of guy you want on your roster to help foster whatever future quarterback you get in bed with. So, you right. know, it's, it's, there's no reason not to make a deal with Allen Robinson. You need to get it done. Yeah, need to get it done. And you're, you're absolutely right. They're, they're still in the market for a quarterback and looks like will be for you know, the foreseeable future because nothing seems to be 
imminent or, or, or a situation where they can go out and, and grab somebody or be in position to grab somebody out of the draft. Because even if you do that, there's still a waiting process. So, you know, and, and we've talked about this before. When you miss in the draft, particularly at the quarterback position, but this is really at any position, you're forced to go into free agency and you have to overpay for someone who's older um, that, that you, you really don't want to overpay for, but you're forced, your hand's been forced because you did such a poor job of evaluating the guys or the guys didn't pan out. And it's a, it's a vicious cycle. And you can look around the National Football League, you can study the game, and you will see that is, that is where the biggest mistakes are made. They go out and they uh, sign someone who they think they're going to be able to get something out of, and they really don't get anything out of, and it creates a hole, and you're forced to then go back into the draft, and, and you're, just, you're just chasing yourself around because you're struggling to find that guy that's going to be able to fill that need in whatever position it is. Yeah, being desperate at the quarterback position is the worst place to be in football. Yeah. Let's try Chris, who's in Joliet. Chris, you're on the Miller Lite Bears postgame show here on ESPN 1000. Hey, guys. Um, so I understand that the offense is subpar, but they still put up 23 points. I'm putting this loss on the defense because for the past two weeks, we have zero interceptions against mediocre quarterbacks. You can give me all the stats on Drew Brees that you want. He can't throw more than 10 yards without his two best receivers, Emmanuel Sanders and uh, Thomas, out for the game. How do you not jump these routes? I don't understand it. It drives me crazy. They're giving these guys eight yards of cushion, nine yards of cushion. You know it's a seven-yard pass every single time. And then both touchdowns were against a tight end and a backup quarterback. And you had two guys sit on top of the route for both of those. I'm, I'm livid watching this defense because – I guess I'm just used to expecting greatness mm-hmm. from our defense because you want to see these turnovers. You want to see these plays being made. And they're just giving bum quarterbacks plenty of room to throw the ball. I don't, I don't get it. I really don't understand it. Hey, Chris, thanks for the call. But Drew Brees, yeah. Yeah, I'm not thinking a first ballot guy is a bum. But they did have some opportunities at some interceptions, and they didn't capitalize. Yeah, no, They like, jumped some routes, and it didn't work out. That's exactly it. Look, Drew Brees, yes, the arm strength is diminished, but he's still only thrown three interceptions this season. Um, this is, you know, he's, he's what he maybe lacks in uh, physical ability now, he still has the ability to overcome with uh, smarts and moxie, if you will. You know, he, he's seen a, a defense or two in his day, and he can, you, you saw him, you know, he, he's aware. You, you see, there was a play uh, early in the first half. Roquan, um, he caught Roquan out of position, and like, like he knows what he's looking for. He, he can find the open spots on the field, and if you, and even look, even in overtime, Bilal Nichols has an opportunity yeah. to come up with a huge sack, and yep. and the savvy vet Drew Brees, you know, it was a basically a shot put uh, ball that he 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 releases because he can barely evade Bilal Nichols, yeah. but he had enough to get it done. You, you know, yes, it's frustrating. But the reality is that you're not – he's no slouch. He knows what he's doing back there, and he's a tough guy. I'm not – I'm personally – Chris, thanks for the call. I can't hang this one on the D. <laughs> and I know people want to, but it, it really – and I think sometimes you, you see, you know, the diminished skills, right, and, and you think that, okay, well, you ought to be able to take advantage of it. But it, as you mentioned, Jeff, the, the knowledge of the game, the anticipation – is is off the charts. That's mm-hmm. why 
he's still playing and, 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 and teams still fear him. I mean, it's the same thing with Brady. Quick story. I had a chance uh, when I was coming out on the draft, I was visiting the agent in Boston. So we go to see the Boston Celtics. Hadn't seen Larry Bird play in person before. This mm-hmm. is toward the end of Larry's career. But even at that moment, mm-hmm. he was different than the young guys that were running. He knew the game. He, his ball handling, everything he did was so efficient at a, at an, in his later age. And, and it's amazing. Great players, that's where they they'd start to develop and they start relying upon other things to, to really carry them and allow them to continue to play. And Drew Brees has been able to do that for, for many, many years. At, no, that's a, it's a great point, Howard. I love the comparison. The, uh, the great ones, they, de- they, they develop that innate sixth sense that uh, other players maybe, you know, they, they're just, they're unfortunately, you know, they have. Don't have their, it. Yeah. And, and listen, <laughs> at one point he had the skills where, you know, and then, and then the skill level declined and yet still he's so smart and he knows exactly what he's seeing on the field that, like you said, he can still compensate and make you pay for some of the mistakes that you'll make. Along with Howard Griffith, the two-time Super Bowl champion, I am Jeff Meller. We are taking your phone calls here on the Miller Light Bears postgame show. Coming up next, we'll let the Bears head coach explain to us exactly what happened. We'll do that in just two minutes. The ESPN 1000 postgame show returns after these. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000.